This is the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath. I'm here with Donald. Hello. We're here with some folks live in our church. And in our session today, we are looking at questions around Halloween. Enjoy the show. So, Donald, we're talking about Halloween. Halloween is actually this Saturday, so it's creeping up on us very quickly. Now, last year, in the UK alone, we spent £419 million Mm. on Halloween. Now, that was costumes, that was the lights, the pumpkins, the makeup, the trick-or-treating, all the decorations. That's a lot of money. And that is the third most expensive celebration uh, in the UK after Christmas and after Easter. So that's incredible. That's a lot of money. And I remember years ago growing up that Halloween wasn't quite as as major a thing as it is today. I think America has had a huge influence. I think it's become incredibly commercial. But there are many, many people, many TV shows, lots of places that are talking about Halloween. Now, I suspect for many people, they have no ideas of the origins of Halloween. I mean, Halloween goes back centuries. It's got Celtic origins, but very much it is a pagan and occultic festival where they used to celebrate death and darkness and occultic practices. Now, many people really won't know that or understand that because today it is just seen as something fun. And for me, I think there are two groups of people when it comes to Halloween. I think the first group of people are those who just want to have fun. It's just one of those things that we want to have a party, have a good time, get dressed up. Isn't this exciting? And that's one group of people. I think, though, there's another group of people who take Halloween incredibly seriously. Those that are part of the occult, maybe witches, those that are part of satanic worship and practices. Now, I think that group of people is far smaller than the majority who just see it as something fun. But there may be people that are are listening into this thinking, what, witches and the occult and the satanic? It's just Halloween. It's just one of those things. Are are those real people? Is this a, a real issue? Should we be worrying about its roots and those kind of things? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think a little, a little bit of explanation that there, tonight, uh, what is it, October 31st is one of those times when the uh, amount of daylight equals the amount of sunlight. So it's that middle point, the beginning of winter, if you like, the end of the summer. And so that has always been celebrated by those who want to worship the sun or the moon. So you get links of paganism, which is a religion uh, of worship of nature. And that was then also partly taken over by the, uh, those who wanted to worship darkness. And so uh, Christianity tried to transform that and came up with a, a day called All Hallows Day, which means All Saints Day. And they wanted that to be the celebration, to celebrate the people that have gone before us that have lived a faith and have inspired us to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. The day before All Hallows Day is All Hallows Eve. And that's why this uh, equinox day, or if that's the right term, this this day of timing with the sun and the moon became known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween. And that then became a festival. Now, there are two, I think, fundamental elements to this that are that are different there is paganism Mm -hmm. which is a very very old religion it's the worship of spirits to do with nature Mm -hmm. 
And then there is what's called Satanism. The Satan is, well, it says on the tin, it's the worship of Satan. Paganism is a much bigger religion. Uh, Satanism is a much smaller religion. But they both recognize and celebrate this time. It's, a, it's their key festival for them. So somebody who might call themselves a witch may be to do with paganism. Uh, that would be more common. They might call themselves a white wish, a witch. Uh, or occasionally, somebody within Satanism would call themselves a witch, but that would be less likely. Satanism is just the worship of evil. They do sound like strange things out of the cinema, uh, but they are real things that exist. They are small groups. People, a minority of people in British culture, but nevertheless, they are a component. And... Uh, the caricature of Halloween that most people celebrate, you know, the bats and the pumpkins and all of that, is, if you like, an exaggeration or, or in some senses it was designed to make fun of those religions. In other terms, it was made to celebrate them. So there is an underlying reality. Um, I think the most helpful way of describing it is, is to recognise that the vast majority of people who celebrate Christmas and give Christmas presents are not Christians. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people who celebrate Halloween are not pagans, nor are they Satanists. But nevertheless, those two religions do exist. Okay, and what has the Bible got to say about paganism and Satanism? So fundamentally, the Bible it draws us to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, and not to any other spirit, any other force, any other spiritual power, whether it's uh, real or imaginary. Sometimes the Bible makes fun of these spirits as imaginary. Sometimes it recognizes them as being very powerful and real. But fundamentally, the Bible calls us to follow and worship Jesus alone. And he is described as the creator of all things. He's described as good, and both of those things are important to understand. Uh, and so there is a, 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 an incompatibility between following Jesus and worshipping the earth, the sun, the moon, darkness, Satan, any other spirit, any other force, ley line, whatever it is. All of that is incompatible with following Jesus because Jesus asks of us to trust him alone mm -hmm. and not to have any other God, any other idol. And that's uh, the first commandment, that mm -hmm. you worship no other gods but me. So Halloween, in the sense of worshiping or uh, celebrating other gods, whether that's intended or whether it's just part of it, in a sense, is a fundamental breaking of the first commandment. Worship no other God mm -hmm. but the creator God, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So then, that moves me on to the second group of people. So you have that first group of people for whom it's actually a significant time that they're choosing, they're making a choice to worship something or someone else other than Jesus. The rest of the population that are celebrating Halloween... That's not in their mindset. That's not what they're thinking about. It's just one of the new traditions. Yeah. You go trick-or-treating, you have a Halloween party, you dress up, you wear the makeup, you do the apple bobbing, which on the surface of it all seems like harmless fun. Is Halloween just a harmless opportunity for people to get together, to have some fun and have a party? I think, it, I think it depends what you call harmless. Uh, I need to be cards on the table. 
my children are grown up. We did not ever celebrate Halloween, and we withdrew our children from all of that stuff. So that's my, if you like, my background and my experience. And we did that partly because we wanted our children not to grow up confused as to who they worshipped, but largely because we didn't want to celebrate fear. And I think a lot of the contemporary uh, Halloween stuff is a celebration of what's frightening. And I fundamentally don't think that's healthy for children. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking about this as I was walking over. As a parent, I think you, you, we've got things upside down. We want to teach children the word no. Mm -hmm and we want to teach them how to deal with disappointment. But a lot of our culture is about always saying yes to them mm -hmm. and trying to make everything work perfectly for them. But conversely, I think we want to protect our children from fear. I don't think children having nightmares is a good thing. I think children should be innocent of fear. So as you bring up a child, you want them to understand and experience disappointment. The world doesn't always go the way they want, but you want to protect them from things that are frightening and disturbing. And I think our culture's got it the wrong way around. So we protect them from disappointment by giving them everything they ever wanted, mm -hmm. but we expose them to things that are frightening. And I think that's un unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So our choice as a parent was to remove our children from any of that stuff. Uh, and to try and as much as they were possible right through. And we took, we took if you like, the, the, the film sensing board 12 age as a key age. Right through to the age of 12, we tried to protect them from that which celebrated fear, that celebrated things that are scary, that try to frighten children. We just felt that was damn, uh, unhelpful for them. Uh, and uh, they're now adults. They might have, may have feel we brought them up wrong, I don't know, but... That's the way we did it. So what did that extend to? You know, we're talking about Halloween, obviously not going out trick-or-treating, not going to Halloween parties, films that you watched. Was, was that across the board? Yeah, across the board. So we didn't... I think then when they were very little, we, we hardly watched TV on Halloween and we wouldn't watch all of that stuff. Um, as they got older and obviously they understood what was going on at school, we just said that's not what we celebrate, that's not our religion. Um, they didn't go to parties. I'm afraid I strongly discouraged trick-or-treaters. I just uh, either didn't answer the door, or if I wasn't aware and I'd answer the door, I would just shut the door straight away. Partly because I don't think strangers, children being encouraged as strangers to knock on my door is a good idea, because it's just not safe for them. But we just generally withdrew from the whole thing. What was partly convenient and partly a decision was we've always used this time as a church to do holiday club and so that was in the in, in essence a part of it that we've always wanted to give children a really brilliant week mm. which is all about church is all about mm. life and we just never ever mentioned Halloween we just it's just not part of our culture it's not part of the way we lived and did they get grief for that at school I mean they probably got grief because they're the minister's kids anyway but, but were they, you know, I'm not aware that weirdos? they got grief for that. Uh, if there are any children watching, you might want to put a finger in their ear. They got more grief from don't, being don't say that. told from the outset that a certain person didn't exist. Okay, that's okay. It's worried me then all my life. <laughs> because again, I felt that's, that's important to me and my faith that I don't mm -hmm. 
worship somebody else at Christmas. I worship Jesus. And so we, from the very earliest, and they did get grief for that because they disclosed that to their peers at school. Oh, my life. I bet their families were really Which I hold really no chuffed. regret or guilt over. Oh, my life. If you lie to your kids, what can you expect? <laughs> Controversial this <laughs> evening. So, back to Halloween. We're, we're talking about it not being helpful because, actually, it evokes fear. Mm. That, that One of the things that it's, it's based on is, is darkness yeah. and of this celebration, if you like, of death and things to yes. do with the darkness. Uh, and I, I completely agree that it's not helpful. I struggled for years with nightmares. It's always been... Don't know whether it's just me. And when I was 15, I uh, we talked about this before. I went to my friend's house for the weekend sleepover, and she decided that we were going to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Now I don't know what certificate they were at the time. I suspect they were an 18, uh, and we were 15, and they just did me in mentally. I did not have the capacity to be able to deal with that. And I would have nightmares for probably years afterwards. I'd see things at, late at night when it was dark and, and it was just horrific. And I was 15. And I suppose for me, seeing some of the things that people get up to in the Halloween parties, I think surely that's got to have a detrimental effect on some children. Mm. I know it's lighthearted. I know it's not intended to be anything but I do think there has to be some knock-on effects, some mm. residue mm. mentally and emotionally, because a lot of those children are young and impressionable. I mean, they've probably seen more at their age than I did at their age, let's face it, because of the internet, because of everything that we have. But I think one of the things that Halloween does is evokes a sense of fear. I think that not just for children, but I think for anybody who has a whole horde of kids come banging on their door, whether they're an old person, whether they're on their own, whether yeah. you're just a little bit nervous. And we'll talk in a bit, because someone's asked a question as a Christian, what should you do with trick-or-treaters? And I think we've got different approaches to this. Mm -hmm. And we'll come back to that, looking at a Christian response a little bit later on. But I think for people within the community, we don't look forward to Halloween because you're just thinking, oh, my life, there's going to be so many kids running around. They'll be throwing things at my door. I mean, we've had stuff chucked at the house and, and loads of things because the kids think it's funny and the parents think it's funny. Nice job, everybody. It's mm. not so funny. But it evokes fear. And to mm. me, that's the opposite of what Christianity is about. Mm. You know, talk about this, this whole thing that Christianity is about peace mm. and hope. And Halloween's about fear. Mm. They're two different mm. experiences and, and approaches to life. Mm. I think it's really fundamental to Jesus' ministry that he wants to drive out fear, mm. that he wants to take away fear. Mm. I also think that, that, that it's really significant that advertising agencies, the PR world, they spend billions on getting the right image because they know that what you see stays in your mind mm -hmm. and it affects how you behave. That's why people mm -hmm. do the big campaigns. That's why advertising works. You don't, it's not a billion dollar industry if it doesn't work. Mm. It's the same as if we see fearful things, there is a risk and a danger that that logs into our mind. And it is certainly true that people say, oh, lots of kids have seen things that we didn't see. I don't know, because I'm no expert. But we also know that young people have much higher levels of anxiety, much higher levels of fear, and I certainly know uh, from my interaction with people, far more prevalence of nightmares. Mm. 
So what we see does affect us. Mm. And if we see things that are intended to be scary, even if at the time we laugh at it, it logs in and it comes back at a point mm. and it creates anxiety or fear or bad dreams. The good news is that Jesus specifically comes to overcome fear. Mm -hmm. And therefore, just inviting Jesus into our life, inviting him into our sleep, praying mm. with people who are afraid, praying with people who are anxious, praying for the healing of memories, praying to cast out the images and the dreams that have been given to us by things we've seen is really powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. And I certainly would encourage, uh, as we did uh, all the way through, is always pray with your kids at, mm -hmm. at bedtime. It's just a super opportunity. And pray for good sleep. What have they seen? What have they watched? I do think we have to, and this is getting into a parenting thing, but I do think you have to, to, to take really close control over what kids watch on a screen, on a TV, mm -hmm. uh, or, or whatever, at, at up to certainly around the age of 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. So you've got to shape them and teach them and protect them. Mm -hmm. Because there's something about darkness, which is why Halloween is a thing, there's something about it that feels attractive. Mm -hmm. But it's illusory. Mm -hmm. It draws us in, but actually leaves us feeling uh, uncomfortable and afraid. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit like the moth to the flame. Mm -hmm. and I think we do need to protect kids, mm -hmm. uh, but we at the same time need to, to hold with great confidence that Jesus is the one who casts out fear. Mm -hmm. And that again and again, um, it's really interesting. I did a recent study in John's Gospel where I looked at when Jesus walks across the water to the guys in the boat, and they think they've seen a ghost, and they are terrified. And it's very interesting that all, one, the most common thing that a, uh, a, a visitation of God starts with is the words, do not be afraid. Mm -hmm. So whenever the angels come... Mm -hmm. Whenever people meet with God, very often when mm -hmm. Jesus arrives in a situation, he says, do not be afraid. Mm -hmm. He is the one who takes fear away. Mm -hmm. And that's by saying, Lord, come into my life. Lord, mm -hmm. come and fill me with your, your good, your Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, mm -hmm. and drive out fear. So we've talked about children. What about adults? So maybe there are people that are a bit older. Maybe they've watched stuff. Maybe they struggle with their sleep. I'm going to ask you what they do, but also I'm going to say that there's a really good app that I sometimes use. It's by the Church of England, and uh, it gives you prayers for morning, midday, and nighttime before you go to bed. And uh, every time they're different prayers, but the nighttime prayer before you go to bed always focuses on what you've seen, what you've experienced that day, and your mind and your sleep. And I find that really, really helpful and mm. powerful. Mm. But maybe there are folks that are struggling with stuff that they've seen, nightmares. Mm. How would you suggest for an adult that we begin to help? I think if you can remember where it comes from, like you say, you're a party and you saw those films, just to acknowledge that before mm. God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I perhaps wasn't capable of stopping it. I couldn't get out of it, but I acknowledge that's where it's come from. And I, So confession. Mm. And then we just ask God to fill us. We ask him to heal that. We ask him to cleanse that. We ask him to take that away. Mm -hmm. If that... Uh, is persistent, then I would ask somebody else to pray with us mm -hmm. and, just, and, and just say to somebody else, look, this is disturbing me, this is what mm -hmm. I've seen, uh, and this, this particular dream is recurrent for me, will you pray into it for me? So I would 
ask somebody else. Uh, initially, I pray myself, but if that's mm-hmm. if it's kind of deep rooted, it's been there a long time. It may be that just asking somebody else to pray with us would be helpful. This is a slight tangent, but it's kind of mixed in with it all. So we're talking about the things that we see that that have an effect on us. Is Christians, what do you think, where do you think we draw the line in what we read and what we watch, films, books, TV? Is there a line or is that different for every person? What's your take on that? And what did you do with your kids growing up? Uh, There is a a line that I think is different. I think as you mature as a Christian, you you should begin to know what are the things that affect you, whether they affect you sexually and and arouse you, whether they are things that create fear or whether they are things that create anger Mm -hmm. or whether they are things that create cynicism. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the four big areas. And some of us may be more prone to one or other of those areas. So we may... It might be music, it might be films, it, it, it might be uh, stuff we read. So I think as a mature Christian, you should be able to say, these are the things that, 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 that affect me. As a younger Christian, I would just start to eliminate them all. <laughs> so if in doubt, yep. Yep. don't watch it or read it. So if it's something that engenders anger, it, it stirs you up in a negative way. If it's something that just encourages hatred, if it's something mm-hmm. that encourages fear, if it's something that encourages uh, sexual arousal, uh, just, for the t- just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It's better to get rid of stuff and then start saying, mm-hmm. no, actually, I can cope with that, than think I can cope with that and then actually find that it affects us. Remember what I say about advertising. They do it because they know it affects us. So I think there is a, a, a line. Uh, when we were parents, we took very rigidly the, the 12. So we didn't let our kids watch anything under tw- 12 when they were under 12. And there are some tell painful us, tell stories. Us the story. Tell us the Star Wars story. Uh, the Star Wars story is that uh, we decided to watch all the Star Wars films in one weekend for a bit of fun. And um, uh, after the second two, I realised that the third was a 12. And we'd already watched two. And... Uh, two of my children were not yet 12, but we'd already watched the two, and I wouldn't let us watch the third. And even though one of my children was nearly 12, and one of them had watched two and was over 12, and they, if you ask them, they will remember <laughs> that weekend. Uh, but again, for me, the value of a child learning disappointment is more important than a child learning fear. Mm. And actually, it doesn't, things don't always go your way mm. and you can't always get what you want. Mm-hmm. Is, it's a difficult lesson to teach, parent, mm. uh, teach kids. And, and I'm quite happy to say we may have got that wrong. We may mm. have overreacted, but we just stuck to that mm. absolutely rigidly. Mm. And we had difficulties because all my friends have watched this. Mm. And particularly with games, we had a big deal with games. All my friends are playing this game. And mm. we just stuck our, 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 our heels in. Mm. I would say to us as adults, uh, think very carefully about watching anything that's an 18. Do you, why is it an 18? And is that really going to help us have the right values? I'm not saying you can't watch things that are 18. I'm just saying think very carefully about it. I think there's some stuff that we shouldn't watch as Christians. It may not even be an 18. 
I, I always think, actually, is this edifying? Is this giving me life? Could I, and this is really sad, could I sit and watch it with Jesus? Absolutely. Could I sit and watch Fifty Shades of Grey with Jesus? Do I want to watch it? No. You know, one of the most popular books and films of, of recent years. Mm. And you just think, why as a Christian would I want to read that? Because that goes against every moral value that I have just because the world is reading it and watching it. Well, that doesn't mean to say I should. And if some people choose to watch, read and watch that, that's up to them. And for some people, it may not affect them. And this is the other thing, isn't it? So, so somebody's boundaries, somebody's limit may be here. And then they think, right, I can't watch anything here. But somebody else could watch these and be absolutely fine, but couldn't watch something else. Mm. And so it's not as black and white and as, as straightforward. It is, as you say, finding out, okay, where, where am I at? What is unhelpful for me to watch? And then just guard that. Just stay away from that. Just don't go near it. Mm. And if we do, then we go back to this point of, I'm sorry, forgive me, mm. help me. Let's move on. Let's start again. Let's not berate ourselves. Let's go back to Jesus and start the whole thing again. But I think it's incredibly important what we fill our minds with and what we fill our hearts with because I think that has such a powerful effect on us. Yeah. It's like when you criticize a child or you encourage a child, it really stimulates their development yeah. and their understanding of who they are. So filling ourselves with a load of trash, I don't actually think is helpful for mm. us. I think it does damage our mental health. It does damage the way we see ourselves, our mm. self-image. It damages the way that we relate to God, the way we relate to other people, the way we relate to relationships. And it, it's far-reaching. Mm. And I think it's better to be boring and to err on the side of caution than to run across the, the line and think, oh, mm. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. And there are very few films that you think, actually, that was worth doing that with, mm. I think. I mean, there's very few good films out there. I'm sounding like a sad old Christian woman, aren't mm. I? But, but I think it's important. Mm. I think, you know, this whole Halloween thing reminds us mm. that actually what we fill our lives and our minds with it is so important. Mm. Mm. And so if we go back to Halloween... And we look at that and we look at Christianity. So we have this, this whole thing of fear and yet Christianity brings peace. And you've already touched on this, that Halloween is a lot about darkness. But that's the complete opposite to Christianity because Christianity is about light. Mm. And Jesus is about yeah. light. Yeah. So darkness in culture and in Christianity is a symbol of things that... You can do things in the dark that are bad because nobody will see. It's a place of fear. It's a place of violence. So Halloween is the moment at which the night becomes longer than the day. So it's a celebration of doing the things that you know you don't, you shouldn't do, but you can get away with. And uh, that's part of the metaphor of the Bible of darkness, that, that, that Jesus comes to, to bring light and to set people free free from the fear, the confusion, and the deceit mm. of darkness. Mm. Uh, you know, we feel safe walking in a place in daylight. We feel unsafe walking there at night. That's, that's the basic thing. Yeah. And so it's really important, this understanding of the, the picture, the metaphor, the description of God, the description of Jesus as the mm. light of the world. Mm. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I have come to, to get rid of the shadows, to get mm. rid of deceit, to get rid of... Um, violence and, and, and all that should be uh, got done away with but is hidden in, in darkness. Mm. So it's a really important symbol and we shouldn't celebrate darkness, we should celebrate light, which is what Christmas is about, which is why we have 
the lights on the, the Christmas tree and all of that. It's a celebration of the light of the world coming into our life. Okay, I'm just going to go back to the conversation we were just having about what we watch. So someone's texted in to say, I don't really understand how watching something like a violent film uh, or porn damages how we see God. You know it's not real. You know it's just entertainment. Um, what do you mean when it's unhelpful for us? Okay, I don't think the brain really cares whether something is real or not. It shapes your attitude. So we all know that adverts are adverts, mm. and yet we know that you're more likely to buy the thing that the advert appealed, to, that was appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you, if it is entertaining for someone to be tortured or for someone to take a life in anger. It dulls our uh, sensitivity to violence ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, for most of us, that doesn't make us murderers. I'm not for a moment suggesting it makes all of us murderers. Mm -hmm. But we know that people who are violent will have watched a, a lot of violence. So part of me wants to say, if none of us watch it, then people who are prone to be affected by it don't get to see it. So that makes the world a much mm. safer place. Mm. So even if 90% of us do not become more violent because we see violence, for the 10% who do, it's worth mm. getting rid of the whole lot. Do you remember James Bolger, that little lad that was killed by those two boys? They were watching the uh, Chucky movies mm. beforehand. Yep. And that, obviously, they yeah, think there's a, there's did something. A, there's a correlation there for is. some people, which is, is a, what you're is saying. A, absolutely. Yeah. But for the 90% mm. of us, what it, think it does is it desensitizes us. Mm. So we become less horrified or shocked mm. about violence in the world. Mm. We come to say, well, it's just the way the world is. So one of the big things I would say is, you know, the whole prevalence in America of these mass killings. Mm. Now, we know that the people who carry out these mass shootings are people who've watched a lot of violence. Mm. But the reason why the whole culture doesn't stand up and says, why are we giving everybody a gun, mm. is because a lot of people have watched these things and think mm. they're desensitized to it. Yeah. Um, and I think the same, perhaps without going into a lot of detail over pornography, I think the same happens. So whilst the majority of people who watch pornography do not become sexual offenders, the way we perceive and value women mm -hmm. is affected by watching pornography. Mm -hmm. The way we are tempted to be unfaithful is affected by our use of pornography. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just uh, wholeheartedly being unfaithful, but being unfaithful in language, unfaithful in, in the way we look at other people. So it dehumanizes us. It just desensitizes us. It just makes our perception slightly different. Mm. Um, so I would, uh, what I would perhaps challenge is somebody said, well, I watch a lot of violence or a lot of porn doesn't affect me. Try not watching it for six months and see if you are less 
prone to certain attitudes mm -hmm. because I think it does affect us. Mm -hmm. Great. Just a reminder, if folks do have questions, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. So Halloween, just a third point, looking at what Halloween is and the difference that it is to Christianity. So a lot of Halloween is about death and about dying. And I know for a lot of people, there's a lot of fear connected to that. That's why I suspect coronavirus is having uh, such an effect upon our country. There is the fear. We can't control it. We don't know if we're going to be subject to it. We don't know if we'll die from it. There's this whole fear for many people surrounding death. And Halloween kind of celebrates and glorifies that a bit. And Christianity isn't about that. Christianity is about a Jesus who rose again from the dead. It's about eternal life. Do you want to just explain that and just those remarkable differences? Yeah, I mean, under, underline the, the, some of the values of Halloween is the concept that those who have died are then able in some way to be ghosts or alongside us or to watch us or to in, interact with us. They're in another room, they're mm. on the other side of the table or mm. all of that. And we talked a little bit about that before, questions of life, when we talked about questions about death. Fundamentally, the Bible is very, very clear that when we die, we are rescued from this world yeah. and we sleep. And actually, the next John that I'm preparing later today uh, talks about the resurrection that, that Jesus comes and at the end of time, he resurrects us. So the dead are not in a parallel world. They are not watching us. They're not interacting. So sort of the whole underlying subtle value of Halloween, which is this idea that there are ghosts who you can talk to, that the dead... For many people, that's scary because it's who wants to have that kind of ethereal existence where you're partly watching this world but you can't interfere and it's scary and people need to be released from all of that stuff. It makes death much more frightening. Um, but it's fundamentally unbiblical. And, and the idea of trying to contact the dead is very damaging. Uh, it confuses us. The, uh, and, and Christianity is, is saying, look, when we die, we sleep. Mm. and then we are raised and our relationship with Jesus and whether we've responded to him then determines where we go after we're raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. But there is not a parallel universe of ghosts watching us or whatever. I find that really reassuring because when I die, I don't want to have to come back and be part of some of the horrible things in this world. Yeah. You know, some of the things that we go through, you just think, Heaven's going to be great. Mm. You know, I don't want to be watching on everybody else. Yeah. I find that really quite disconcerting to yeah. think that, oh, those that have gone before me are watching on. Uh, yeah. I'm not for that. Yeah. But there will come a time when this world will stop, when Jesus will return. The Bible's very clear. There's lots of passages in the Bible that talk about that. And it says he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. So as you say, the choices that we make in this lifetime, they're carried over to the next. So those that say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be part of my life. I know I've made mistakes. I'm sorry. I want to go your way. Those people at that moment, Jesus welcomes. Mm. You're mine. Come, be with me. Enjoy all eternity with me in heaven. And for those that maybe just haven't been interested, may not have been a, an actual decision that they've, yes, no, I'm going to say no to Jesus, but have just carried on with their lives, then at that point as well, they don't get 
to be in heaven yeah. for all eternity. But Jesus' heart is that as many as possible would. Yeah. His invitation is to everybody. doesn't matter whether you've never known him, whether you've turned your back on him, whether your parents went to church and you gave up on it. Jesus is like, now I'm interested in you. My invitation's to you. doesn't matter what you've done. Come and receive life. And I love that. I love that Jesus is all about light. He's all about forgiveness. He's all about hope. He's about all of the good things in life. And to me, Halloween seems like on the surface, oh, this is great. This is a celebration. But when you just drill down a little bit and you think it is about darkness, mm. it is about death. It is about these things. It might be subconscious. It might be not that obvious to everybody. But we want the world to know that Jesus is awesome. We want the world to live in light for fear to be cast out, for there to be love and an assurance that actually this world isn't all there is. Mm. And that when our time comes to leave it, when Jesus returns, we're going to be with him in heaven for all eternity. That's the exciting news. Absolutely. That's the message that we want to be proclaiming every day, but particularly during Halloween. Mm. I've had another message in. I've had another couple of messages in. Uh, someone has just asked, is there any biblical scripture which goes against Halloween? Um, well, Halloween is a, as a name, as a concept, as a, as a thing, is after the New Testament. Yeah. Um, so not explicitly like yep. that. Yeah. Um, so Philippians talks about whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure. Think on these things. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a, 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 a lots of stuff about celebrating light rather than uh, celebrating darkness. In the New Testament, there were other pagan festivals. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't Halloween, but there were other pagan festivals, and they we may they may well have been at this time because, you know, as I say, the darkness becoming longer than the light is a thing. So there are verses that make it very clear that we shouldn't join in with pagan festivals. Yeah. Um, I think Colossians will say that. I yeah. might be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to find the word Halloween mm. in, the, in the Bible, but you will find the, the, the concept of pagan festivals. And it's also quite explicit not to be experimenting with other spirits, yeah. div- divination, Palm yeah. reading, lots yeah. of other things like that. Yeah. Deuteronomy, other yeah. places, it's very yeah. explicit. Yeah, have no other God but God, no other idols. And so the celebration of paganism is, an, is an idolatry. And one of the things that we always want to remind folks in the midst of this is that whether people have dabbled in any of these areas, that God is bigger, that God is more powerful. I remember an instance probably about five years ago, of uh, somebody that I knew, somebody that I'd spent time with, and um, they were working somewhere, and they were in a pub, and at the end of the uh, evening, uh, people decided to get a Ouija board out, and this person was, oh, I don't really think I should be doing this, and everybody was like, go on, come on, do it, and that, that whole sense of, oh, feeling pulled in to be with the crowd. Anyway, it came to their turn, and um, she was really freaked out by it all. She was just like, what on earth is going on? This is horrible. And the Ouija board, they were trying to get the Ouija board to give her a message. And the Ouija board spelled out uh, this message. And it was, go and see Kath Horn. Go and see me. Um, and so she came to see me the next day. 
and we were able to pray together. I was able to reassure her and give her a sense of peace. And for me, that really encouraged me that, that actually God is all-powerful, that, that people may try and dabble. And I don't end, underestimate the power of things that go on. But ultimately, Jesus died and rose again and has conquered death. And it talks about his resurrection making a public spectacle mm. of Satan and triumphing over them by the cross. So there's a quote that you like. Is it C.S. Lewis? Yeah, C.S. Lewis says that, that uh, the, there are two great uh, errors that people have. One is to be obsessed with Satan, and the other is to think he doesn't exist. I'm paraphrasing. But both of those are damaging, and we need to have the right perspective, which mm. is that Jesus, as you say, is completely dominant and, and greater. And, and just to clarify on your story, it was not suggesting that you have an Ouija board to hear God speak, but that in his mercy, <laughs> yes. he rescued that person yes. from a frightening situation. Yes. And I, don't, I think that we, we have to, be, to have an assurance that Jesus is stronger and greater. And sometimes you come across elements of Christianity that I think are too frightened of evil. And that's what superstition is. And, and so a lot of our superstitions are derived from Christianity and people being afraid and so afraid that they, they have to touch wood because that actually was a, a sign of touching the cross. You don't have to touch wood. It doesn't matter whether you walk under a ladder or not, uh, although it might be wise if the person is about to drop something not to do it. But superstition is an unhealthy fear that in some way the power of something that is stronger than Jesus, and that's mm. rubbish, and we mm. need to rest in the assurance that Jesus is greater. Mm. But equally, not to dismiss things, and so say, well, it doesn't mm. matter whether I play with a Ouija board or whatever, mm. that, that, that too is unhealthy. Mm. We have a right perspective. There, are, there is another religion, it's called paganism. We're not pagans. There is some element of power within that, but it's completely inferior to Christianity. Mm. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. And he conquers all evil. Mm. Okay, a few questions that are linked. Uh, do ghosts exist? And then another one. What about magic? My gran is a Christian and refuses to read Harry Potter. Um, so, uh, do ghosts exist? I think that paranormal experiences exist. Uh, and that there will be times where things are inexplicable and that, that there are pagan spiritual things that are damaging and unhelpful and not from God. A lot of it's fake. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is charlatan stuff. But there is, there, you know, people may well have had profound spiritual experiences. They will not be actual dead people who they knew. Mm -hmm. They will be other paranormal spiritual experiences. And they're stuff that Jesus wants to cleanse and protect and, and not cause any fear or, 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 or doubt. So do ghosts exist? Uh, they are not real people, but there may well be paranormal experiences that people have had yep. that uh, are other spiritual powers and forces. Mm -hmm. Does magic exist? Uh, you know, vast majority of magic is illusions. So when we talk about magic shows, it's just people being illus doing illusions. That's fun. That's harmless. As long as it's, we're clear, it's an illusion. I think that 
um, our, our own view, right or wrong, our own view as parents was that when our kids were 12, they were fully able to understand the fairy tale nature of magic and, and to understand those things. So we didn't let our kids watch Harry Potter until they were 12. Uh, and then we felt they were old enough to understand it, old enough to appreciate that. And there's a lot of good stuff in Harry Potter about the triumph of, of good over evil, but I don't think it's appropriate for little kids. That's my own personal view, and I wouldn't, I would reserve it for, for older. Um, I think that it is, un, if we go back to the Christmas conversation, I think lying to children is really unhelpful. Never tell kids things that you know aren't true but pretend that they are, unless you're telling them that you pretend. Whether that's tooth fairies, fire for Christmases, magic, mm. anything. Mm. Tell them the truth, because otherwise they grow up and they say, you told me about Jesus and you told me about the tooth fairy, how do I mm -hmm. know which one's true? Mm. So I would say with magic, always just make sure it's an illusion, it's a fairy story, but be age appropriate, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, important. Great. Okay, another question coming. They're all coming in thick and fast. Uh, do you think slash feel things are harder now than they were years ago? It seems Halloween is much more publicised and celebrated now than it was when I was a child. That also goes for easy access to older age-related films that are applicable online. It's a tough world bringing up children, Steve Evans. Yeah, it is. I think it is harder. There's always been peer pressure. Um, I think there, there, are, there are other tools. It's never been easy to say to a kid, no. Mm. It's never been easy to say to a kid, we do things differently in our home. Mm. The battleground is different. Um, but we have to work out when is it appropriate for a child to have access to the internet. Mm. And that, how do you... There are all kinds of parental controls and stuff that's available. So in a sense, it's a little bit easier than it was maybe 10 years ago. There's much more understanding of controls, but you have to have the courage to enact them and enforce them and uh, to say, no, you're not having that yet. And uh, so, so go back a little bit to the, the, the question about watching things, I think there's a whole area in all of this about us not saying, well, it's okay for me, but how do I help other people? Mm. And when you say no as a parent to your kid, you help all the other parents. I remember a conversation where uh, there was something that, that a group of parents we were together and we'd said no and other parents said, thank goodness you said no because you said no, we could say no. So sometimes mm. I think we have to help each other and, mm. and you say no and you, 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 make, you do that for the other parents and the same goes to watching things. Did you actually start, if we sit down and watch a film, it may be that it's completely fine for me. The person I'm watching it with, mm. it may give them a nightmare, it may mm. desensitise them, it may give them an unhealthy attitude to women, mm. it may make their anger more profound. Mm. So for the sake of somebody less strong, I will say, no, I don't mm. need to go, I'm not going to watch this film, we're not going to do this thing. Mm. 
And peer pressure happens for children and it happens for parents. And that's the irony. You think that when you grow up, you're not going to be vulnerable to peer pressure. You're just as vulnerable. Mm. And all you, you just need someone to say, you know what, we're not doing this. Mm. And we have to be the first to do that. And, if, and, and sometimes that gives permission to others. Um, but it, it's tough. And I think you have to compensate. You have to say, okay, well, we're saying no on that, so let's go out and do this instead. And, mm. Mm. and do other stuff like we try to compensate with holiday club we try to say let's make holiday club the thing mm. so we're not thinking about ho halloween this week mm. you try and compensate you try and give them something else that's better so that moves us on to what should a christian response be to halloween so as christians living in this world we're allowed to celebrate it we're allowed to go to parties what do we do when people come trick-or-treating uh, you know, what, what should our response be? Do we just say, oh, this is wrong, this is of the devil, we're having nothing to do with it? What would you say? Well, I think underlying it, I would want to say that I believe and recognise that I live in a non-Christian country. I've never thought that Britain was Christian and I don't expect it to be Christian and I don't think it's particularly biblical to be Christian and I don't think it's particularly necessary for me to moan when I think it is being unchristian. I happen to live <laughs> in this yeah. secular yeah. pagan state. So I don't think it's always helpful to... I think you've got to choose the things you make a big deal about. I'd rather make a big deal about poverty. I'd rather, rather make a big deal about injustice. I'd rather make a big deal about racism than make a big deal about Halloween, personally. Mm -hmm. It's part of our culture. My approach has always been to ignore it. We just had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. I, it's not something I will go and campaign about. It's not something I will... I'm more worried about people starving, like we talked about last week. I'm more worried about... Uh, folks of colour being abused than I am about Halloween. We just ignore it. I just had nothing to do with it. And um, that was been my approach. Um, rightly or wrongly, I just never answered the door. And if I did open the door by mistake, I just shut it. I said, sorry, we don't believe in it, and shut the door. I probably had a slight reputation as a grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. We had our house egged a couple of times. Um, that doesn't make me want to give them sweets. Uh, it just makes me think this is not something I'm going to do anything to do with. I think there's a lot of the New Testament culture, which is more the culture we live in, is that we are aliens in another land. Mm -hmm. And we live as Christians in a culture that doesn't understand Christianity. Mm -hmm. That's my mindset. Mm -hmm. I live in a nation that doesn't get it. But I suppose I want to flip that around. So I recognise that we are aliens, but I don't want to alienate everybody in my local area from building a relationship with them mm. and then finding Jesus. So your approach and my approach are very different. You'll slam the door in their face. I will always buy some sweets. I will always open the door. I will always enter into a conversation because for me, it's about community. These are, these are folks that live down my street. Uh, their parents are often at the end of the road. Hi, how are you doing? I don't want to be seen as the, the old cat woman that, that um, is the weird old Christian mm. that, that puts everybody off Christianity. Now, I'm not saying what they're doing is the world's most fantastic thing. And some might look at me and say, well, you're encouraging it. But what I'm encouraging is conversation. What I'm encouraging is relationship. That actually I feel, if I shut myself off from everybody else, 
I'm shutting off opportunities to talk to them. Now, I know some people that will have like a Christian tract, and I know someone like J. John's written one on Halloween, and he's written it for Christians to give to people that know nothing about it. So it gives the whole history of it and why you shouldn't do it and how brilliant Jesus is. Now, for some people that might work, but for me, that's not my bag. That's not my kind of thing. Uh, that's not how I work. I think the people around me would probably egg my house just for that very <laughs> reason. And it would um, exacerbate this, you weird Christian. So we're different. So somebody did ask the question, what should you do when people trick or treat? I think it's a personal thing. Yeah. I wouldn't slam the door in their face because I think that's rude. I'm sure you said it nicely and didn't say it rudely. I'm not so sure now, looking at your face. Uh, I'm afraid I did do it rudely to 15-year-old yobbo teenagers. Great. Okay. Why? Because I felt they were trying to intimidate. Okay. And I don't feel that's a healthy thing okay. to give in to. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think to... if you've got two little sweet little children, absolutely. Yes, yes. When you've got a gang of teenagers who are trying to intimidate, I don't... Yeah, I know. I think that's different. Uh, in my area, in the haze, we tend to get cute little kids. Oh, OK. So if it was a bunch of teenage lads, I'm not sure I'd be quite... I don't, I don't... Yeah, no, we didn't tend to get cute little kids. Yeah. OK, so there's a difference. I think as well, I'd want to say, if you're living on your own that you shouldn't feel as though you have to answer the door no. to anybody. It's probably, yeah, I think not answering the door is a very healthy response. Yeah. That was what I tried to do. Yeah. It was only when I realised that I'd opened the door and I thought it was somebody else. <laughs> and you're confronted with <laughs> the local <laughs> youth. I'd love to put your address out and encourage folks to come over on Saturday, but I won't do that because I'm not cruel. Okay, so... What about uh, lots of television programmes have a Halloween special? Strictly used to, uh, X Factor used to. Is it okay to watch those? I think it's an opportunity to have a discussion with kids to explain what you feel about it. I think you just decide on the age of the children, you just decide on the degree to which that program is glamorizing darkness. Uh, you take it case by case. I think if you're uh, uh, an adult, yeah, I can't imagine that you're going to come to any harm watching a strictly Halloween special. Uh, we're, not a, we're not to be afraid. That, that's the key thing, that Jesus is great or stronger. If you're watching it with a child, you might want to use it as an opportunity to explain some things. You might want to ignore it. Um, I think you've got to look at it case by case and in proportion to the people you're watching it with. And what about carving pumpkins? What's your take on that? Have you ever carved a pumpkin? Uh, I think my parents did it when I was a little kid. And uh, what did they do, like the face? Yeah, I think it's scary. I wouldn't do it with kids. I just think it's designed to be frightening. And I just think we should protect children from things that might give them nightmares. Some Christians redeem it. So some Christians would quite often carve a cross. So they have the light of Christ shining. What do you think of that? Fine. Yeah. So, Fine. so to take a cultural thing and say, right, we're still going to get a pumpkin, we'll still carve it, we're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, we believe in Jesus. I, yeah. I think with all these things, I don't want to set a rules 
it, you know, all we're doing is sharing our experience. Mm. We have to listen to what God is saying, uh, telling us to do, mm. not to judge people who have a different answer and not to feel there is a right and a wrong response. Mm. So, mm. yeah, all, yeah d- don't do what Donald says or does. Do what you feel is right. So finally, if somebody has been to a Halloween party or dressed up as a witch, all their kids have gone, they're not possessed. It's not the worst thing in the world to have done. No, when we talk about possession, we're talking about inviting a power, a spiritual force other than Jesus to help us with something. Mm -hmm. That is a known conscious adult thing to do that is not advised at all. Very, very few of us have ever done it. If we have done it, we'll know we've done it. And Jesus will set us free from that when we confess it and repent of it. Uh, Satan is not like COVID. You can't catch it off somebody. It's an invitation to say, I want this power in my life. That's very, very rare. Given permission over. Given permission. Uh, If we've been to things and they've left us with a legacy of an uncomfortable feeling unclean, feeling afraid, then Jesus wants to set us th- free through prayer. Mm. It's not that we're possessed or anything like that, mm. but it's something that's given us uh, a stain, mm. if you like, and, and he wants to wash us from that. Mm. So, uh, But don't go looking for it if it's not there. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think children that have gone to parties are, are an immediate danger or anything like that at all. It's mm. more, uh, has this left a, a, a memory or a dream? Mm-hmm. And then you deal with that if it's there. If it's not there, don't worry about it. Mm. Perfect. So, summing up. To sum up, uh, Halloween is a celebration of darkness and an, in, uh, and an enjoyment of fear. Both of those are are completely opposed by Christianity, I'm glad to say. We're not into fear, and we rejoice in the light. Jesus is stronger than the darkness. And uh, if we're afraid, then just ask Jesus to set you free and Mm -hmm. and to ask him to cleanse you. If you are unaware, just be cautious of what you watch and celebrate and the subtle influence it has. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you all ever so much for tuning in and for being with us this evening. Thank you for all of your questions. We love it when we get lots of different questions in. It's far more exciting than me and him prattling on. So thank you for that. If anything we've talked about has affected you, please do email us, get in touch, uh, and we can talk some more uh, about it. But thank you so much. Next week, we're going to be back live, and we're looking at the whole subject of, is God fair? So many people have questions and say, God's not fair. He does this for them. He doesn't do that for me. So we're going to be exploring, is God fair? So tune in either on YouTube next week Or if you want to, you can come and join us live in the church. If you go to our website and just click on the box, Questions of Life, you can very easily book in and be with these wonderful people who are here uh, this evening. This Sunday, we have three live streams, 8.30, 10.30, 6.30. 10.30 is a little bit of a different one this week, isn't it? Yeah, 10.30, we're going to celebrate uh, our holiday clubs of the past. We're not able to run a holiday club, but we're going to uh, share some stories 
and remember last year's and other things. So uh, it's just a celebration of fun and of children and praying for children and praying with children. Yeah. So do join us. That is the 10.30, but there's also one at 8.30 and 6.30. Again, thank you for tuning in with us, and we will say cheerio. Goodbye. Bye.